You're listening to Art and Magic, and I'm your host, Devin Walls. Hello, hello. Welcome back to the show. It's an exciting day on the podcast. I mean, it's kind of always an exciting day on the podcast because every time I sit to actually do this and then get it done, I'm pretty proud. (laughs) So there's that. Uh, But today is an exciting day for a particular reason, and that's because this episode is going to kick off a three-part series on artwork development. Oh man, do I have a lot to say about this topic. There's a lot of topics within this topic. Uh, which is why I actually talk about this, I think, every fall. So if you go back through the episodes around this time of year, hopefully, if my memory serves as being consistent, uh, there's there's different things on this topic that you can explore. And every year I like to kind of dive into things I haven't fully fleshed out yet and different angles um, because it's it's vast. It's big. This is like what we're doing as artists. You know, there is, of course, so much to discuss in terms of getting our work out there and, you know, navigating the fine art world and meeting people and organizing our time and like just all the million things that come along with being an artist. But to me, this this is the core. Like, I think this is the main thing that we should be talking about. Putting dedicated time and attention onto how we're developing our work and like actually progressing it forward is so important for for many reasons. You know, for one, it's it adds to your confidence and how you feel as an artist. I think many of us got into making art because it helps us feel better. We enjoy it. But it's not so enjoyable when you're doubting what you're making, worrying that you are maybe copying someone else, um, feeling like disconnected from what you're making. And I think part of the way that we kind of upkeep and tend to our art practice is focusing on our development. Yeah, for me, it's what keeps me connected to making work at all, which is important when you've been doing this for a long time. So that's, that's one reason I think we need to like really set aside intentional time for this conversation. And then, you know, if you're a working artist and you want to sell your work and get your work out there, my number one piece of advice is make your work good. Make your work meaningful. Bring something to it so that it can connect with people. Like developing your work is the driving force for your sales and your career. Like no marketing strategy is going to compensate for that. Okay, I'm going to stop myself here before I actually just start saying all the things because we have a couple announcements to cover. Okay, first thing is first, it's personal to me and my work. So If you don't follow my work or you don't care, just skip this. Uh, But if you do, I have new prints that just dropped. I am so excited about them. They took me longer than I thought they were going to. There was a whole journey and a whole story along with them that one day I'm going to share. But the important part is that they're here and they're beautiful and they're limited edition. Are two of my recent paintings that are currently in a show at Brea Gallery called Pure Unadulterated Joy. That show is actually extended through December 4th if you're local to Southern California and want to go check it out. And you can find the new prints on my website. I will link that in the show notes. Thank you so much to everybody who already bought one. 
Um, you know, prints at this point for me are a big way that I support my work because my paintings are extremely time consuming, so I don't do that many of them. These are also at a slightly higher price point. So prints are the way that I keep my work accessible and then also support my time painting these big paintings so I can do more. So when you buy a print, you're not only like getting this gorgeous print to hang in your home, but you're really supporting my studio practice. So that's all really appreciated. Second thing isn't really an announcement, but just a reminder, um, another way you can support me and the show without spending any money is leaving a review, um, particularly on Apple Podcasts. You just scroll down, hit the five stars, tell everybody what you like about the show, and sharing and tagging us on Instagram. Both of those things really help get the word out there. And lastly um, is the Patreon. The Patreon is up and running. There is a library of bonus episodes there for you. There's actually a recently added bonus episode all about writing about your art if you enjoyed that episode and you want more of that. So check that out. Uh, link in the show notes for that as well. Okay, let's get into it. So the meat of today's episode is going to be talking about the three stages of style development. But we need to start even farther back than that. Because this is the first episode of a whole series on artwork development, I want to talk about like what I see artwork development as being, why it's important, and then give you a bit of background from where I'm coming from and where I've been with this. So here's kind of a short version of just my art story, but particularly as it relates to developing my work. So I start the beginning of my story in 2013. That's when I started making art as an adult. Like, yes, I took an art class in high school. Um, I never even gave it a second thought. I really didn't have an art practice. Like, yes, I was creative, but art with a capital A, like, what was that? I didn't know. In 2013, I was at majoring in philosophy at UC Berkeley, which was not the best decision for a major for so many reasons. And I was pretty depressed. I've had mental health struggles pretty much my whole life. And I hit this kind of peak point with it when I was, I think, in my junior year. So I really started making art as therapy. This was before Instagram. Um, I had no artist friends, no introduction to art in my family. My parents are real estate agents. So I just like went to the store and got crayons because I was sad, literally. Um, I was making art in this like therapeutic kind of way uh, just to get me through the rest of college and then kind of just went on my merry way. I didn't think about it much. I did some traveling and I brought a sketchbook with me, but it was really in this realm of personal therapy. It was like sketching scenes that I saw around me. I was doing stonerish looking doodles. I wasn't even really thinking about what I was making. I got back from a year of traveling, I believe in 2015, 2016, and I moved back to the Bay Area, pretty much with like no plan for my life at all. I went back to a restaurant I had worked at in college and was just like buying time and hit some, again, very, very bad depression. It was at this point when I was getting more on YouTube and on Instagram, and I was really inspired by these artists doing like intuitive acrylic painting. Now, I was very intimidated by acrylic painting, having no real art background, and so it actually took me a while to build up the courage to go buy the paints and set it up and even learn my way around it. However, once I did get started with that, it was kind of a pivotal moment, like working with real paint. You know, before I had pencils and watercolors, but acrylic was like this whole new realm. And I spent, I think that year, just like throwing paint in my living room, honestly, just like trying to stay alive. Now, after doing that for a period of time, I started looking online 
just to figure out how to use my materials. I was looking outside of myself to see what were people doing with these paints? How were they also painting in this intuitive therapeutic style? And naturally, I just started mimicking that. I wasn't ill-intentioned. I wasn't like trying to copy. I was literally just trying to help myself use my tools. So some time goes by and people start seeing my work. They're like, hey, can I buy this? I'm seeing people on Instagram talk about selling on Etsy. And I think like, hey, my stuff is piling up. Art is expensive. Let me do that. And then I start to notice this like artist lifestyle brand. Um, Artists who are not just showing themselves making work, but showing how they're living as artists. Like they have these big studios and clearly they're selling work. And I don't really know exactly what they do, but it seems like they're a working artist in some capacity. And I think that was the first time that that concept was ever even introduced to me. And then I start noticing, hey, they all have like their own thing and their own style. That's interesting. I liked specific things that I was seeing. So then I started to kind of like mash them up and do my own version of it. But I was still, I don't even think I really realized that this was work that these people had spent years developing that I was just kind of mimicking. Like at that stage, my relationship to this was still partly therapeutic. I was selling on Etsy, but I just, I wasn't fully grasping like the magnitude of, of this whole realm of having your own style. I was just seeing things I liked, kind of mimicking, kind of mashing it up, and then using it for myself. Two things started to kind of happen at this point. One, I was kind of getting weird feelings when I would post things on Instagram, and I knew it looked like somebody else's work. I think I still really believed that I had done it enough in my own way, um, but I still had a feeling with it, and that could have and should have probably been an indicator to me. Other thing, which I think was a big turning point, is I started to wonder, like, what would my genuine voice and language look like? Like, if I took my own internal world and made it visual, I wanted to see, like, what is that going to look like? And I think that question sparked a much longer journey for me. I think it was also the moment when I realized the difference between making art as therapy and being an artist. I realized that being an artist meant you had a thing you were choosing to say. This should be like so obvious now in retrospect that this is like very much what I do, but it's so interesting for me to go back and think about like the revelations and the development since I had no previous exposure to it. So I, I kind of went on an inquiry to answer that question for the next three to four years. And there were some definite ups and downs within that. It felt really good to be doing something beyond just like throwing paint and expressing emotions. It felt really good to start to inquire deeper and, and see what I could learn about myself in this whole process. But it was also so frustrating because I didn't know how to create something that was just my own. So every time I would try... I still could feel that guiltyish feeling like I was mimicking and remixing in a way that like wasn't ideal. It was during this time that I tried to come up with my own practices of looking within myself and outward at the world to come up with my own marks and language. And that was not easy to do. It was not easy to filter out everything I was seeing. Even when I would like shut off social media, I still had all of that in my head. But I think that after maybe three-ish years of really practicing that, I had broken away enough from 
where I had started in the work that originally influenced me to feel good enough about what I was doing, or at least not feel like I was stealing from someone. So I was kind of moving along in that way. And I I came to the second crossroads. Yes, my work wasn't copying anybody. But beyond that, there was no like strong deciding factor that would help me determine which direction to go in. I had no like gravitational pull as to where I wanted to take my work. Like, yes, I could go this way or that way, but I had no way of deciding. So I just felt a little bit like confused and scattered and unrooted all the time. I also kind of started to feel like, so why am I making what I'm making? Like, okay, it's fun. Okay, it's it's therapeutic, check, check. But I hit a point where that stopped being enough for me. And I really needed something bigger, especially because I was starting to really dedicate my life to doing this. And it was at this point that I really started to educate myself on what these artists who I admired were maybe doing, particularly those, honestly, who had like an educational background. There was more going into their work than aesthetic decisions. They weren't designers. They weren't just doing like this and that because it looked good. Nothing wrong with that. But like I was seeking something else. And, you know, through talking with mentors and educating myself, what I realized what I was lacking was intention, meaning, and content in my work. And without that, I had one aspect that was very developed, you know, the aesthetic, the materials, the skills, and one aspect that was like very much lacking, which was the substance beneath that. You know, there's a lot more to say about this whole arena, and it's it's what I teach about and probably what we're going to touch on in future episodes. But that is really what took my work from kind of being in this like pretty abstract place to And when I say pretty, I mean like aesthetically pleasing abstract place to what it is now. It's where this entrance of story and characters and intention really started to take hold. And it just took my work in a whole new direction. And not only is it in a whole new direction, but it's a direction that I feel committed to. And that's not something I ever thought I was going to get to have. So I share this story for a couple of reasons. I think that when you're self-taught, And when you have learned kind of by looking online, there's a lot of embarrassment about that. There's a lot of feeling like you can't be a real artist, that you didn't come from a strongly educated background. And so it's like you're ashamed. You don't want to share your story. And then it also doesn't give you a lot of hope that you can grow into making work that is quality and substantial and holds up next to somebody else's, honestly, that like maybe did have formal training. I also think that within my story are kind of three distinct stages, which I'm going to talk more about today, that a lot of us go through, whether it's in that order or in different orders, or we cycle through it many times. And I'm, I'm going to pause on that here because we're going to get into exactly what those three stages are and maybe how to deal with them in a second. So The reason that artwork development as a topic is so important to me is, again, because I felt a lot of shame kind of in those years two and three, and I really struggled, and it was really developing my work in certain ways that was the answer to that. And I already said this, but I'm going to say it again. Like, it was not easy. This information 
wasn't and I don't think is out there. There's nobody out there saying like, hey, if you're self-taught and you're overly influenced, here's where you might want to look. Like I really, really had to dig. So just for clarity going into this three-part episode series, let's just define what I mean by artwork development. You know, it's self-explanatory. It means developing, expanding, growing, strengthening our art. In my eyes, it means making it better, making it more honest. And I think that there are a couple different sides to artwork development. One is the skill side. How well can you draw? How well can you mix your colors and execute your materials? Do you know your process? It's like all very technical. And this is the stuff that I think is wild, wildly, widely, wildly and widely <laughs> available. There is YouTube. There are classes on whatever your medium is. There's Skillshare. There's all these things. And above all, it's your own practice, right? Making art is a motor skill. So the more you practice it, just like driving a car or doing anything like that, the better at it you're going to get skill-wise. But to me, the real like development part is what we're making, how we're taking those techniques and materials and skills and using them to make something that is art. Now, there could be a whole episode or conversation here about what is art. To me, just to like give it a little blanket thing here (laughs) for the sake of this conversation, it's something that was made with a specific intention that transcends functionality. So to me, design serves a purpose and a function. That function might be to fill a wall space, to bring color into a room. The function might be something like that you use, like a mug. It's functional. Yes. Can functional things also be art? Yes. That's called functional art. (laughs) This is a tangent. But to get the art part, I think that we need something a little more beyond functionality. And oftentimes that's going to come from meaning, intention, something arising out of what's on your wall beyond it just looking good. Even if the intention is beauty, you know, there's, there's like nuance there and stuff. But um, okay, I'm going to stop here because I'm thinking if you're an artist, you get what I'm saying. Anyway, that part I think comes from something that is beyond just a technical skill. Like a computer can do a technical skill. You know, little side note for AI art, <laughs> which might be a whole other conversation. Is that art? No, because there's no there's no consciousness or intention behind it. Is it cool? Yeah. Does it look good? Yeah. But the art part, that's the part where I think our attention on development should be going. So there's a, a lot of things involved in that. Um, one is getting in touch with our own voice and what we have to say. And I'm going to talk more about that next week in terms of like what gets in the way of that, because I think that's a whole ordeal. But the first part that we're going to cover today are just these stages of development, because I think really understanding what goes on in our process as we're trying to find our way toward our own work, toward our best work and our most exciting work, um, that's a whole cycle. And I think each part of that cycle comes with individual questions and Uh, ways to address those questions. So, okay, I'm going to stop rambling. Let's get into the three stages of style development. Okay, stage number one is often waking up to the fact 
that our style is not either entirely our own or entirely what we want it to be. There's something about it that feels aimless, that feels overly influenced. You might not be able to put your finger on it, but there's something there where you're like, I I don't feel like this is totally me. I feel like I'm just using my materials in either the only way I know how or just in a way that feels good. Um, but the, But yet there's something missing. Like there's a reason I don't really want to share my work. There's a reason like maybe I don't feel ready to sell my work. Not that either of those things are a requirement, but they might just be like indicators that you could be at this stage. Um, something else that I think is is trademark of being in this first phase is just mixing up things that you've seen. So obviously, I'm sure you can see parallels to my own story here. <laughs> I kind of told my story in a clear-cut way to uh, highlight these stages. However, What I think we need at this stage is to learn how to make our work without referencing other work. Not only do we need to like close the laptop, turn off the phone, delete Pinterest, but we need to actually come up with ways to invent new language. This is something that can be really frustrating and challenging if it's your first time like approaching your work in this way because you're not used to it. It's actually a muscle that you maybe haven't developed yet. You've developed a muscle of looking at other work and kind of like deriving what you make from that. But this whole like creating something out of your own thoughts and or the world around you just might be an underdeveloped skill. And I say this because I think at at each stage, but very much also at this stage, When we try to integrate the solution, sometimes it can feel like we're taking a step backwards, like we were on a roll with our work and now all of a sudden it feels a lot harder. And that's because it is harder. It is harder to come up with something from within. It is harder to pull inspiration from the actual 3D world around us. It's easier when somebody has already distilled ideas into an artwork and then to kind of mash up that artwork with other artwork or remix that artwork, that's easier. This is like slightly cheesy to share, but when I was in this first phase and my work was still very abstract and I was trying to come up with compositions and marks that I hadn't seen elsewhere yet, I would like kind of go into a meditation and bring up a thought or a feeling and just intuitively ask myself like, okay, what do I think matches that idea or that thing or that feeling? We're going to talk more about this, you know, when we talk about meaning and content, um, but that's one thing you can do. Okay. Stage two is feeling a lack of direction or a lack of cohesion. So You've got your visual language down. You've got your materials down. You're confident that like your designs and your aesthetic pretty much looks like your own thing. Yay, good for you. That part's hard. However, you're often probably having a hard time deciding what to work on next. You might feel like you're jumping ship all the time. You might feel like when you look at all your work together, everything is totally different. I have a caveat here. First of all, there's nothing wrong with that. Like, I think there is an overemphasis on having a cohesive practice or body of work, probably because of Instagram. (laughs) Surprise, surprise. Everybody's looking around and they're seeing all these artworks and photos that match. And they're like, oh, I guess I need to have that in order to be a real artist. No, not true. The thing that's important to look for here is how you feel. 
If you feel overwhelmed by all of these directions instead of fed by creative exploration, that's a sign. I think there's a difference between being like excitedly pulled in many directions. Like you just, you can tell it's an experimental time and you need to learn this thing and that thing. You don't know how they're going to come together yet, but you just feel this draw. That's like a really positive phase to be in. But if you feel like maybe you've been doing that for a while or you're just kind of like jumping ship all the time because nothing really feels that good, I think that's a sign that you're in this I'm just calling it a second phase, but these can happen in any order. The phase of feeling scattered and lacking cohesion, and you're going to need to integrate something else in order to get out of that. I'm actually going to pause on what I think the solution is to that because it's actually the same solution as phase three. So let's talk about the next or other potential phase that you might be in with your style. So the last phase is having work that is cohesive. It's original. It's or like, you know, nothing's original, but it's original enough. It's unique to you. You have you have your look, you have your thing that you make, but you're feeling disconnected from it. Now, I think phases 2 and 3 go together because there's some people that can kind of steamroll themselves out of the scattered phase. They can just pick something and be like, this is what we're doing. I want the cohesive style. So even if I feel pulled in a bunch of other directions or I don't feel that that connected to this, I'm just going to call this my thing because I want to have a thing. Whereas somebody who kind of stays in that scattered phase, you know, they just, they don't feel like they can do that. They're not that kind of person. They don't feel like they can commit to something unless they're really excited about it. Ultimately, it doesn't really matter where you land on this spectrum of being able to steamroll and commit or stay in like ambivalence land. I think what matters is that the solution is the same. And that is that you need to find your gravitational pull. You need to find something that motivates you beneath the work that is actually maybe a little deeper than just how it looks and or what's trending or what you think is cool or what you think will get you approval. Um, You know, I think those are all faulty things to base your artwork off of that are either going to leave you feeling scattered or unfulfilled. Um, So anything in that category, I think, is a call for intention, meaning, content, and substance. So here's the good news. If you have found yourself in either phase two or three, I think this is where things get incredibly interesting. I think if you've hit a point with your work where you can have the awareness that it's lacking something, like you're actually ahead of the game. And when I say lacking something, I don't mean by anybody else's terms other than your own. I'm talking about your own relationship with your work and how you feel when you make it. Okay, here's just like a couple other things you might ask yourself if you're trying to determine if incorporating a bit more substance might be the solution for you. Does your work feel honest? Does it feel risky? Does it feel exciting? Do you have a sense of why you're doing what you're doing? If you answered no to those questions or to any of those questions, you might need to go on a little journey to find what matters to you in your work, to find what you actually care about putting out into the world and dedicating your time to or if your work already has substance if this like cycle isn't new to you maybe you're very familiar with having content in your work 
but you're finding yourself at this spot anyway, it might be time for something new. It might be time for a change of meaning. So just a little check-in at this point. When you listen to my story and you listen to these stages of style development, did you recognize yourself in any of these stages or phases? Do you recognize yourself in terms of being overly influenced, in terms of feeling scattered and either a lack of direction or pulled in too many directions? Or do you feel like everything is your own and it's cohesive, but it's just not that honest and exciting? Because if you can identify where you're at, it'll help you identify what might be needed. So if you've identified that you're needing more substance, development of content, and like particular aspects of your art, I know that the answer to that is more complicated than just like going on a little journey. In fact, the way that we do that is a whole conversation that's beyond the scope of this episode. So here's where I want to direct you if that's what you're looking for next. And go back through older episodes. I've done episodes on finding inspiration, feeling connected to your work, what to do when you're stuck, what to do if you have self-doubt. Like all of those things are part of this answer. And also, uh, I am teaching my workshop series this fall called Unique. It's a style development workshop series, but really I could have called it an artwork development (laughs) workshop series. And it's basically to deeply go into all of the things that I talked about here and more. You know, I try to put every single piece of information that I have into this podcast so that it can be this free resource for you guys. But oftentimes, what I think we really want is to have a container to go through that process and then get the individual feedback on our work and like what we're grappling with and what's right for what we're doing. So that's why I teach the workshop series. Enrollment for that is going to open next Wednesday on the 21st. And if you want to make sure you hear about it, you want to get on my newsletter, uh, there's a link to that in the show notes. So I want to conclude this conversation about the different phases of style development with a couple things. First of all, my hope is that if you can identify where you might be within this process, you can also see that it's so hopeful for you to either move on to the next phase and or get yourself into a place with your work where you're feeling very proud and confident. This is the thing that I don't know if gets said a lot. Like, yes, you need to grapple with the process. Yes, you need to just show up and make a lot of work. And also, like, you're going to learn new things. There's new things you can try that it's going to take your work to its next evolution. And Sometimes those things are fast. Sometimes it's just a little click. It's just a little light switch or somewhere you haven't looked yet. And so if you're feeling just like frustrated and hopeless, um, please know that that could very well be right around the corner for you. The other thing I want to say is that if you have identified yourself in any of these phases, it doesn't necessarily mean that you're a novice artist or a bad artist or a beginner artist. I'm sure I already said this, but We cycle through these phases in our work all the time. It's never ending. Like style, it's style development. It's not a style development race to the finish line. I I think that artwork development is more like a circle or a spiral. You know, once you go through one layer of it, you're inevitably going to come back around to see what else is there, to see maybe what you missed before. I've gone through many phases 
of the cycle I just described, only to come back around and realize like, dang, I need to master my materials more. Or I need to cultivate my language more. Like I've got the substance part down now because I just spent a whole bunch of time on that. Now I need to go back to this other phase. And then I'll move into a phase of not knowing what to create because I'm pulled in a bunch of different directions because I'm questioning everything again and I've lost my footing and so on and so forth. So it's, I present these stages again so that you can just identify where you're at and see what might be needed. Okay, so I hope you enjoyed this. It's really just an introduction to a bigger conversation about developing our work. I'm very excited to do this in a series so that I can get deeper into everything. Next week, we're going to be talking about the things that might be blocking you from your voice. It's kind of like an aside to style development. I found that we can do all of the things. I can give you all of the suggestions for inspiration. But if you're still stuck, it still feels like you're hitting your head against the wall. There's kind of these like lurking little things that we might need to look at. And this is something I talked about years ago, but I haven't brought it to the podcast yet or talked about it in a while. So um, I've changed my relationship with it a lot since I kind of introduced the concept the first time, I think in 2019. So anyway, I'll save next week for next week, but that's what you have coming up. In the meantime, I just want to say thank you for being here. If you have questions on this topic of style development or just things you want to share about where you're at in the process or what you're dealing with, I would love, love, love to hear it. Um, I'm kind of recording these in real time. So if you write to me soon enough, I might be able to address it like within this series. So please do send me a DM or an email or a comment or whatever. Everything's in the show notes as usual. Um, I would love to hear from you. All right, that is all I have in store for you today. Until next time, I'm sending you lots of love and tons of magic.